one quick shout out before we start. Herds Media, our sponsor for the production of the one and only podcast, as well as the team behind the fantastic live stream systems that we have at our expo events. If you need anything, photography, videography, media, anything in that department, Alistair and his team at Herds Media are the ones to check out. You'll find them on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back to the One and Only podcast. This week, Glenn Lucas is joined by H&H Land and Estates, Mark Barrow and Mark Johnston, discussing everything from work-life balance to what drives them to get up in the morning for work. So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, welcome to episode seven of the one and only podcast. I'm Glenn Lucas, and today we are joined by Mark Johnson, uh, Managing Director of uh, H&H Land and Estates, and Mark Barrow. Mark, what's your title? Uh, so I'm a director uh, of Estates as well. Excellent. I didn't know that. I know you've just rejoined... Uh, You've rejoined H and H recently, yeah. Um, you you left and then you came back, a bit like Cristiano Ronaldo coming back to Old Trafford. Um, yeah. Why did you do that? I just hope I can perform as well as Cristiano Ronaldo and Mark's grinning here as well because he's a, he's well, a big well, he man United. He didn't, did he? And that's why he's gone again. <laughs> round one, first time round. Yeah, no. So I've, I've been back. Um, month and a half now really enjoying uh, yeah getting to grips with it all and uh, pushing it pushing it on pushing, it, pushing things forward good mark i'm going to call you mj for this is that okay you're not going to be offended because we're going to get confused with the two marks yep. so how long have you been uh, at uh, managing director at london estates uh, i've been here about 15 months now yeah yeah, yeah. are you enjoying it are you happy uh, here I'm always happy, Glenn. Uh, no, I am enjoying it. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of work that we've done in the last 12 months and obviously trying to build the team, um, you know, bringing Mark back and, we, and we've got a few th other things in the pipeline. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been yeah. good. Enjoyed it. So your, your background, Mark, I know we, we briefly chatted before we turned on the recording button. Uh, Mark, MJ, MJ. <laughs> but but um, your, uh, your background... You were used to, did you used to work for BAE and then came directly here? Give, uh, give, give us a little bit of, of your complicated background. I'll give you that, yeah. yeah. So, so I started, um, <clears throat> I'm from Barrow in the south of the county, obviously. That's, that's, not, a, that's uh, not a bad thing. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. You say it like uh, I don't live there now, though. Oh, that's fine. That. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so I, 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 I originally lived in Barrow and, and probably the only option that I had when I left school with very few GCSEs um, was the shipyard um, so I did an apprentice uh, with be apprenticeship with BA as an electrician uh, when I was 17 yeah and then um, yeah uh, so spent sort of four years doing that and then and then I was made redundant with a with a, uh, a huge amount of apprentices at that time because um, the, the the program the, the Vanguard program as it was then was uh, 
was coming to an end and we didn't have anything to sort of uh, fill that gap. So yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I then sort of potted around for a, a, a few years doing sort of contract work, uh, short term stuff and then, and then sort of decided in my early 20s, probably about 23, 24, that uh, I should probably get myself to university. So yeah. I did, went to Salford University for three years, really enjoyed control systems and software development um, and, and did a degree in comms technology. And then at 27, I came out of my degree and uh, immediately started uh, on a contract at Sellafield for six months. Oh, wow. So I was there doing um, simulation and software development for some of the systems on one of the plants there. And um, yeah, uh, and that six months turned into 12 years. Uh, and I sort of developed through uh, Sellafield, went into, I was, I was doing very much doing engineering commissioning work at that point and software development and then moved into managing teams and then moved into project work and then became a project manager and got qualified. Um, and then got the opportunity um, to return to, to, to what was, yeah, what used to be called VSEL, Vickers Shipbuilding Engineering in Barrow and then became BAE Systems. And yeah, ended up spending 12 years there and finished there as head of site and facilities uh, for the for the major projects and capital investment on site. And then, yeah, got a bit of an itchy feet. The business gave me the opportunity to go and do a secondment working for uh, Cumbria Local Enterprise Partnership, which is a public-private um, sector organisation looking at um, economic development post-COVID um, and working up a strategy um, to support um, yeah, Cumbria, basically. And at that point, I got really um, invested in the rural sector um, with some of the work that I did there. And then, um, yeah, I was due to go back from a secondment to BAE. And then this job pinged up on LinkedIn, as they do. Jobs you might be interested in, I applied. And then three months after going through that process, I landed. So, yeah. It, it, seems, it seems, Mark, MJ, from, from where I'm sitting, it seems... You've spent your working life working for like two of the largest maybe corporations in in the UK, like huge corporations with thousands of people, massive, massive projects, and then you come to H and H. What what was the attract? Like it's a, we're a, we're a small little uh, firm. Uh, what, well, not that small, not that small. No, but, but you know what I mean, compared, compared to where you've come from, what was the, was it yeah. freedom you were looking for, or was it... A little bit of that. Yeah. I, think, I think that, um, yeah, from my perspective, you know, I'd sort of always wanted to, I, I, my, my idea was that, I, you know, could I go and run a business, you know, yes. so when you're in a big corporate, corporation, big organisation like something like BAE, and you do really well, and you sort of progress through the lines, and... Um, you know, you're still supported by a huge amount of resource, uh, and you know we had, I had a very very large team at BAE, um, but actually, you know, felt very um, comfortable in that position. Mm. Um, and I'd gone through a, I'd done a masters um, in, in about 2015, a business administration masters, and that sort of gave me a bit of um, you know desire to sort of go out there and see if I could. Um, you know, do more from a business perspective. So, mm. the, so the appeal of, 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 of coming into a business like H&H um, and London Estates specifically is, um, you know, you're challenging yourself on a, on a slightly different level. So I don't see it as a, you know, it's a small business. Actually, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the things that you want to try and solve in a business and how you want a business to work are the same, whether it's a large corporation or a, or a smaller business. So, yeah, the, the appeal was being responsible um, for everything in yeah. a way. 
So that was the driver. No, I, I can really, I can really see that, and uh, that's that's really interesting. What <clears throat> have you over the the last fifteen months? I know you've said all of the same issues apply. Whether the but have you have you noticed any major differences in working practices or working cultures that that uh, that. Yeah, they yeah, pop, you do, they you, pop up. You, you, you do. Well, actually, what I was really impressed with when I arrived was the level of sort of professionalism within within the team. Um, you know, that uh, Mark Barra wasn't here there then, was he? He, he wasn't. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, okay. I, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's taken a step back <laughs> in the last few weeks, but I'm sure it'll sure it'll recover again. No, no but seriously, uh, yeah, yeah. no, no, it's it, it, really really interesting because yeah, it is a different environment and a different skill set. And the thing that you know, when you come in with a completely different background into a business like this. Uh, at Landon Estates is nobody knows you from Adam and then you know you kind of get to a uh, you know you've got to build a bit of trust in, in in that but no I think really really for professional team throughout there's three separate sort of um, strands to the business um, and and everybody's very um, sort of proactive and positive about what they do yeah. Um, so yeah I think I think yeah it's um, not, not not too many differences you can hide um, you can hide in larger businesses I would say can't do that so much in a business like this. Yeah. I often, I think I, I heard, I was watching The Apprentice one time on TV, and there was this guy who was on The Apprentice, he'd been working for some large corporation, and Alan Sugar said, you've been hiding for the last 10 years. Yeah. And he worked for, he worked yeah, for yeah. Some, something like BA, a massive corporation. But, but you probably can. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just really interesting, and I think, uh, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really enjoying it. And, and actually, I've got such a bloody good team um, that it makes it, even easier to be to be fair and yeah. is most most of the work that land and estates do is is rural work isn't it it, it is you've, you've yeah, got yeah. you've got your you've got your commercial real estate business you've got the residential real estate yeah. business and then you've got that sort of advisory side but that's mostly advising on rural enterprises it, it, isn't it? it 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 is and working you know for example with utilities and yeah. and, and, and and areas like that and then obviously we're we're trying to move into an area that covers off um, sort of environment and forestry, which will support you know changes to legislation, changes to payments. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to branch out and cover all bases, but largely a uh, rural rural yeah. based. Yeah. Mark, um, MJ mentioned a little bit about the forestry, and you're getting into that side of it, and that that really will apply to a lot of the changes that are going to come in uh, under these new. Um, stewardship schemes and, and with carbon, uh, what do you think that's going to impact? Uh, what sort of impact is that going to have on farmers and, and the rural landowners in the 10, 20, 30 years? Uh, so obviously, I came from a well, I come from a farming background. My parents are dairy and sheep farmers in the Eden Valley. Um, so traditionally, I'd probably one for that traditional mindset in terms of you don't plant trees on good agricultural land. Um, obviously, with where schemes and subsidies, basic payment schemes are reducing, there is that bit more pressure now on agricultural businesses and landowners to look at alternative income streams. And forestry is one of those areas. And due to that, we have kind of enlarged our team and the offering that we can offer. Um, we've got in-house foresters, arboriculturists, uh, but I think uniquely we, we can also provide that whole round advice. We've got the land agents, the traditional farming background, the history and the heritage of H&H &H behind us. Um, 
I actually kind of um, was involved in kind of a farming discussion group I was presenting at a week ago, and some quite heated discussions on this one in particular. Now, if you were to look at the countryside stewardship offering at present, there is an, there is an option there for wood pasture creation. Uh, the payment's £220 an acre. And if you were to graze with native breeds, you can potentially get a circa seven, sorry, £68 an acre top-up. Um, hence why you've possibly seen some of the native breed cattle coming through the auctions, the prices rise. Now, obviously, that farmers' discussion group, I, had a look, I was looking at it in terms of the land agents and the farmers' perspective, and I put our in-house forester on the spot um, in terms of the productivity from that area of land if those trees were to be planted. Now, in order to be eligible for that option, you only need to plant up 15 to 20% of that area. Walk the land, you look, have you got some bank sites, poorer west areas, and um, aren't as productive, and that it, it may actually, it might work to have some trees there to provide delta, um, to get some funding for a new fence or a new wall. Um, it won't necessarily have that 15, 20% impact on your profitability from that field. Um, if you choose the poorer areas and that little bit of shelter, it might actually add something. So, yeah, I, th I think it's one we just need to be very aware of kind of what's out there, what's available, um, can not rule anything out, um, keep that kind of traditional mindset that obviously a lot of you out there and a lot of our clients are farming families, farming businesses that do want to farm, um, but really kind of be wise, be aware of kind of the government's push um, for environment, sorry, for the environmental purposes, biodiversity, net gain, etc. Um, but really make the most of what you've got. And uh, yeah, uh, sorry, it's quite a long-winded one, Glenn, but uh, hopefully kind of Nope. A bit of an insight there into what we can do and what what's available. No, that, that's it's a great answer, and it had to be along. It had to be along. There's there's a lot of detail there, Mark, and and I, I also think it's getting, it's getting the message across that this isn't really a threat to your business. It's an opportunity, and I think if we we as advisors and and. Uh, stewards and people are helping out uh, our farmers we need to get that message across that it's not going to affect overall production or profitability but it will in inevitably enhance livestock operations if it's done exactly the way you presented it there mark yeah so it's yeah it's yeah yeah there, there is there's, there's been some really good options uh, ways to potentially improve income streams that could potentially be spent back at the auction spent back on I like the way you're thinking, pal. But um, tell us a bit, uh, Mark, MJ. You uh, you spent a lot of time in the Lake District, uh, up and down fells. I do. Yeah. Is that your happy place? Passion. It very much is my happy place, and that's my hashtag when I post my Instagram pictures. But no, I um, yeah, we we, uh, we moved from Barrow to Kendal. Uh, or just outside Kendall, um, about four, four and a half years ago now, Glenn. And um, yeah, we, we've, we've sort of been on a mission to complete our Wainwright Fells, uh, and we did that, um, even though we had uh, 
COVID in between. And then we got a dog during COVID and decided that we'll take the dog around them. So we're on our second loop now and we've got two left to do. So we've got Scarfell mm -hmm. Pike and Ling Mel to do. Um, so yeah, we're, 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 we're passionate uh, Lake District people uh, and love the, love the fells. What's your favorite fell? I love uh, anything above uh, sort of Buttermere and Crummock. So, you know, anything from Fleetwith Pike across to Haystacks to, um, you know, Red Pike. Yeah, it, fantastic area. Yeah. Um, I, I love it up there. But then, yeah, the Langdales is always a, a bit of a favourite as well, very central and, yeah, stunning, stunning part of the world. Yeah, so you, I can't believe that. So you've done, you're almost finished your second round. Double round, And yeah. what sort of time frame? Uh, I did the first loop in about 22 months, and this will probably be about two and a half years with the dog. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to wait for him to get to, you know, to a, to an age where he yeah where he could get up there. But yeah, he's uh, he smashes it now. Yeah, loves yeah. it. It is, it is an, an amazing yeah. part of the the yeah. world, and probably we. When it's on your doorstep, I think we sometimes take it for granted, don't we? The beauty and the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly worth yeah. If you know, I'm, I'm, my advice to anybody if they, you know, if they've uh, you know busy schedules and you know uh, feeling a bit stressed with 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 work or family life or whatever, that a couple of hours in the fells is just uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you were you were doing quite a bit of uh, running before you uh, left. Have you kept that up? Uh, <laughs> I wish I had Glenn. No, I've um, a young family now, and uh, I've, I've yeah, I've got a dog as well. And obviously, had that kind of vision and hope to kind of get out there in the fells and keep the running up. Um, there was the excuse of he was too young, but um, no, I, I firmly would like to get back in, into that way. We've we've obviously got these fantastic new offices now in Staveley that are really convenient. They're at the gateway to the lakes. Uh, there's no excuses really now, is there? And I suppose that um, Mark will probably pull me along. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. yeah. Are you gonna ha are you gonna have uh, when you do your second round, finish off the second? You gonna have a big sort of party at the top of? We're, 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 we're no, actually, the, when we did the first round, we we took a couple of bottles of Wainwright beer yeah. and had them, and it was a, it was uh, it was quite an icy winter. We finished that on Scarfell, actually, not Scarfell Pike, but Scarfell, and. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'll get Woody. A, that's the dog. I'll get him a T-shirt with two hundred and fourteen on it. And We've quite a few friends done them, and on their last one, we all yeah, went, yeah, yeah. went with yeah, them. Yeah, I see it. It's a it's it's, it's it's a nice achievement. It nice is, achievement. yeah. Yeah. But then you don't want it to end. No. But then you can always go up, up into Scotland. You and, can, and, and that's a lemon rose. Yeah, you can, and that's something that I'm thinking about doing actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's amazing. It's not for me. <laughs> well, it's not for Mark either at the minute. No, I, I actually, I just, I, I, when you get to the top, it, it doesn't matter which one you get to the top of. It's, it's a great achievement, but it just is not for me. Right. It's yeah. Well, you could try a bit of wild swimming. How's that? I do a, I do a lot of that. Do you? Yeah. Well, whereabouts? In the lakes. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Good. I do that. I like that and canoes and kayaks. Yeah. We spend a lot of time in the lakes. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot it's, to do. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's a great place. It's a great place. The um, if you could, this is a work question. If you had what, like, if you could just show abracadabra, Mark, and change one thing in Landon Estates to make it the perfect operation. I think we're heading there. Actually, yeah. I think I think we, um, yeah. There's certainly structurally, um, you know, bringing in. 
you know, fresh faces um, certainly helps. But we've got a really young team, very diverse team. I think the future is 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 really really bright, and I think that we're doing the right things in terms of structuring the business to manage the future. You know, um, particularly around things like you know our apprentice and graduates coming through, and then things like the environment and forestry angle. Um, so I think we're shaping up really really nicely. Um, what I would really love, though, is you know, so people, for example, with my background that have come from kind of manufacturing and engineering that have probably, you know, sceptically got no skin in the game in a rural sense. I would love to see more people come into the rural sector from them backgrounds to give a different perspective. Yeah. Um, and I think from, you know, the way, the way I see it is, you know, in Cumbria particularly, you know, we've got ageing population, ageing working age population, young people leaving the county, actually we need to be a bit more open to, you know, different people with different backgrounds coming into these types Absolutely. of businesses. And I think if we can do that and then we convince the, the, the businesses that that's the right thing to do, I think you'll, you'll flourish. So I, I'm, I'm really positive about London Estates' future. Um, we've got one or two things in the pipeline that will happen in the next sort of few weeks. Oh, what's that? Uh, Come on, tell, tell. Uh, Come well, on. Well, yeah, it, it, it's all secret. about structuring people. Um, so we're doing that. And, you mean you uh, get rid of people? Uh, no, 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 oh, no, no, okay. no. Good grief, no. <laughs> well, well, Mark's not finished his probation period. So, so, so maybe. Uh, but no, no, we, uh, yeah, we're aiming to grow and we're aiming to, um, you know, you know, give mass, massive benefit and broad benefit to our client base and customers. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. We've got a great team. We've got a really great team. Mark, a similar question to you, but more with regards to like our, the industry that we work in, if you could just make, wave that magic wand and change policy or change how we operate, what what would what would the agricultural industry look like if you could if you could do that? Oof, that's quite a question, Glenn. Is that if we could just have that magic wand and we could do that, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, well, um, like, like what, what what do you think is what do you think, from a policy point of view, is the one thing that sort of holds our industry back, whether it's... Yeah. 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 So, so I think at present, we've obviously got this, um, the government's agenda there, and are we looking at the environment and biodiversity? Are we looking at food production? Um, I think that's a bit, has been a bit unclear of late. Um, so if we had some decision and some, some real kind of, progression there from a policy front that would be fantastic um until such time that we have that i think it's really pulling together as an industry um from the likes you sell the auctioneers land agents agronomists um right right the way through and, and basically just working together to try and kind of pull our our kind of clients our friends farming families through um through this time and kind of look for all the opportunities that are there. I think from a farming perspective, I think, and I'm saying this coming from a farming family, um, I, I think we've, we've got to be more open and we've got to keep our eyes open, our ears to the ground, look out for these opportunities, um, not necessarily write them off immediately and, and just kind of, yes, have a... Be very open-minded, see what what works, um, and how we can use them to kind of best effect to, to bring our businesses forward. 
I think, yeah, Mark, just to sort of add to that, the clarity issue is, is a real... I was going to say that, yeah. You know, that you, you, we talk about things like uh, nutrient neutrality and the impact of building houses and things like that, and then those, those rules change, and so we're never clear about quite what the policy is. And, and actually, you know, we're probably heading for a change of uh, government in the next sort of 12 months as well, so that in itself will bring some different challenges, I'm sure. So I think, yeah, the... the, the, the the clarity thing's a real issue for us, Mark, isn't it? Because you know we're yeah. trying we're trying to give the best advice that we can, um, and support our um, our clients and customers. Um, but actually, with an ever changing landscape of policy or, or or lack of clarity in policy, that makes it really difficult. And, and the way the way I look at it, the lack of clarity that there's been since Brexit has actually hindered people driving forward in, in their businesses. Uh, and I, if I could change one thing, it would be a clarity and a vision for agriculture that that no matter if you were in, in livestock or in crops that you that you could see a pathway uh, where you where you need to drive your business to success and there is no clarity i hope <clears throat> my hope is that the next election is i've never voted for labor in my life they're going to get into politics now how about this well, yeah. so I'm a, ship, I, I, I'm a shipyard worker. But I, I've never, I've never voted for Labour in my life. But I, I'm probably, I probably am going to this time. And I, what I hope, and this is why I can see clarity coming forward. I hope the Conservatives are wiped out. I hope we have a, a Labour government that's going to be there for 20 or 30 years with a massive majority. And then I hope they, 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 they implement some long-term, a long-term vision, long-term changes that this country can really go forward with. Eh? And I. I, I that's 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 what I think. I think could Keir, possibly I think, make. I think Keir Starmer needs you in Liverpool at the minute. Then on his, on his conference, because that you know, I mean, you, you probably speak with a voice there, Glenn, that, that a lot of people that you know that haven't voted for Labour. I've never voted Labor, for them, but I. You know, yeah. I'm thinking about yeah. And I think I think the last twenty years, all of the policy uh, and decision making within government has been short termism, eh? and you can really see the effects of that ha in the country now. Eh? Uh, and and there've been there've been short termism because there was there was a coalition, and then there was a, a small majority, and it was always the, these sort of policies that would keep governments in power, and it's really had a massive effect on this country, I believe. Eh? Yeah. Uh, and the turnover of prime ministers. And, and the turn all of that all, all of that and, yeah. and and Brexit on top of that was almost like a a double whammy. Uh, and yeah, it feels it feels like we need a political <clears throat> reset, doesn't it? And, and and I I, I see. The only hope I see is I can see that in Scotland there's going to be a major shift and that could really add to a massive Labour majority and then we might get some long-term visions from a from a government that can make uh, a massive impact on our country. That, that's what I hope will happen. There's time to mess it up yet, though. Well, I don't want to get drawn into politics. Oh, uh, let's, let's come let's on, Mark. Get, oh, come yeah. on, Mark. Don't be shy. You've don't hit the shy. nail on the head in terms of that kind of the clearness and the message and the route forward because over the last we look back and kind of the last three years um there really hasn't been, there's been so many changes within defra and uh, within the kind of the yeah what's been put forward there we've had the um slurry infrastructure grant which was used as a mechanism um when we voted for Bre well when the country voted for brexit um that was the first thing that was pushed out there to landowners and to farmers was there's going to be a grant here for slurry stores 
um, which for those kind of south of the border was was going to be fantastic. There hadn't been that funding previously. Um, the issue that we've had then is that contractors and suppliers have all put the prices up. And three years down the line, we, we haven't yet had anybody that has actually been granted funding for a slurry store. And yet the last three years, those farming businesses have had to put up with the increased prices. We've had the sustainable farm incentive that... The scheme was developed, um, there was standards that were set, the uptake was so low and I think that's obviously that's been a, a key kind of indicator back to the government in terms of look, we are going to have to kind of work with farmers and devise a scheme that is going to work. Um, there was a big push again in January, a, a kind of a top up payment that was offered there to invite people uh, yeah pull people into the scheme, encourage them to, to apply. And then come June, July time, that was knocked on the head as as um, DEFRA made the decision that, the, as it was, SFI just wasn't um, wasn't working. And, and we've seen the relaunch of a new, completely different scheme, um, which actually, on the face of it, does look um, quite promising and and... There is potential there, um, and it's something that myself and a lot of kind of colleagues across all the offices and locations, um, we are having lots of conversations now in terms of that sustainable farm incentive offering. But it all goes back to that one word, doesn't it, Mark? Clarity? Yes, yeah. And if goalposts keep changing, as Mark's, MJ's put it, when we're out delivering and we're advising on these things, we can only advise as good as the information and, and the clarity of that that we've got. And just for clarity, Mark, you're not allowed to call me MJ after this we're, we're, at all. We're, 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 we're sitting laughing here, Mark. Everybody everybody in Landon Estates is just going to be going, hey, MJ, he's going to be so pissed off. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've started, I've started something fantastic. What's... Tell me something that you've never told anyone else before. Mark Barrow. <laughs> Come on. No one else will ever hear this podcast. No one else will ever hear the podcast. I've nothing to hide. That's really hard. Oh, that is a tricky one, isn't it? Because that's about your skeletons in your closet, Mark, isn't it? Yeah, Come on, you've got some dark secrets, haven't you? I'll, I'll, I'll tell everybody, right? I once opened mouth, kissed a horse. Okay. What about you? I don't believe that. <laughs> Everybody's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I th I thought this was going to be like a a therapy session of. No. I'm I'm I've got a problem with my mic. I can't. <laughs> Tell us. This is another thing I like to ask. What's the greatest gift anyone's ever given you? Well, that's really interesting, um, actually. So you can be quite sentimental about things like this, can't Absolutely, you? Absolutely, yeah. Um, but I tell you, from a career perspective, I worked with uh, <clears throat> one of my. I've always, I've always had good bosses, and um, and there's one guy in particular that I worked with uh, while I was at Sellafield. I was a young project engineer, and I was chomping at the bit to, you know, get up, uh, progress through the ladder and everything. And, and I always remember him sitting me down, and uh, you know, and and talking to me about um, having an ambition and ability the wrong way around. And it always sort of sat with me because he was absolutely right. Mm. And, and as, 
as I've sort of progressed through my career, recognizing that, you know, some of that's some of the advice that I've been able to give to people that uh, are on a, you know, sort of path and trajectory. So I think, yeah, the gift of, of, of good advice that really resonates and, and stays with you is really, really important um, and, and actually can support how you guide uh, people in their own careers. So yeah, that, that's good. Uh, for my 50th birthday, I got a really nice watch from uh, from my partner, Sharon. I love that. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, a bit of my pride and joy, really. So, um, yeah. Shows, what, what's it? Oh, very nice, yeah. There you go. So there's a, there's a, a, a gift that's kind of, uh, yeah, material-based. Mark, do you have any uh, gifts that are stand out? Yeah. A little bit easier is that question, Glenn. That's uh, much better. Um, well, I suppose it would be a bit soppy here. Greatest gift probably my wife gave me my daughter, Penelope, uh, oh, who's Um Yeah, if we're looking at materials, um, she actually gave me a shotgun for our... as a wedding present, which... Um, a shotgun? A shotgun, yeah, for a wedding present. I'd be getting um, worried. <laughs> <laughs> Won the lottery there, haven't I? Um, in terms of, yeah, other, other kind of gifts that have been given, um, again, really, it's just, I, I suppose, family that I've kind of drilled and, and I've, I've grown up with and that kind of work ethic and the rural upbringing. I think I've been so kind of privileged to have that, um, which there's an awful lot of youngsters out there that don't have that, and that's really... For us within that community to kind of um, yeah. promote that and, and, and kind of give these opportunities. As, as kind of Mark said, the, the traditional rural firms now, you don't have to come from a rural background. Um, yeah, you, I suppose that's where we can become involved in the likes of young farmers, um, farm open days, whatnot, whatever like that. It's um, it's something that I, I feel really strongly about in that that gift that's been given to me and I would like to kind of pass that on and kind of encourage that as much as possible. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. Mark, can you remember a moment when you actually realised that you loved your job? Time B or MJ. You, well, I'll ask both of you that, eh? Can, can, a, a moment where I love my job. Can, 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 you, like, can you think of a moment when you go, yeah, so, I actually really like what I do, eh? Yeah. Yeah, so, so I suppose that the, the, big, the big one is usually where you've had a, a, a complicated sale um, and you've gone through the conveyancing process and, and you've got over the line, you've got some clients who've, really happy that the, the sale has gone through and you've got some purchasers that are, are desperate to be in and, and take on their farm. Um, there's some really rewarding moments there where you feel, yeah, that's feel great for that. Um, a lot of kind of drawn out long negotiations as much as some of these things that can take 12, 18 months, um, some of the landlord tenant issues and, to actually kind of work with your clients right through that process, some highs and some lows, and to, uh, yeah, to sign that deed, to get over the line, you just, you get that, that warm feeling from kind of helping your clients get to that point where you've unleashed a new opportunity or you've um, 
ended something that they were, yeah, they needed some help with. Um, so yeah, there's, there's there's plenty of days where there's um, there's good results like that. And I think with the work that we do, they come from all different angles. We, we're quite a diverse business in in what we do. So yeah, big big ones, big ones are kind of sales, and that's very kind of clear. Um, Although you, your landlord tenant negotiations you've are, are much longer, but actually as rewarding. Yeah. MJ, you're going to hate me. MJ. What, what, what about you? Do you? Can you remember the a moment when you said, I really love what I do? Most of the roles that I've had, Certainly, I mean, I, I, I didn't particularly love being an, an apprentice electrician. I wasn't very good at it. Um, and That's shocking. I know, I know, it was. Yeah, no, nice one. And um, and so, so that interestingly, uh, you know, and the fact that I got made redundant actually was a was a real catalyst for going and doing other things. But um, no, I've 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 kind of because I've sort of moved around, um, even when I've been with businesses for you know like Sellafield for twelve years and BA for twelve years. During that period, I had different roles, and I will always push myself um, to try to, you know, I, I, I have a tendency probably to get a bit bored. Um, and so when I, I'm really enjoying my job when I'm not bored. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think when I look back, I've probably moved at the right times for me. Um, and so then always kept that freshness about the thing that I'm doing. But yeah. what I really love to do and what I really enjoy is going into areas where nobody knows who I am. And I have to get to know people and, and, and the way that they operate and, and the business. But, but also um, around the development of, of, of young people. Because when I was an apprentice and, and, so, and, and in my early, the early parts of my career, I had some really good mentor type figures that would give me advice and support. And, and when, when, when I see you know, young people doing really, really well, um, and it's the old thing about, you know, if, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough. I'm a big believer in that. So, and it's not necessarily about, you know, grandfather rights and going through a process and, you know, you only get to a certain position when you've, you've had all this level of experience. <coughs> so I, I get a lot of um, satisfaction out of, of seeing people develop. And actually when we're collaborating as teams and working together for, you know those those um, combined efforts and combined results. That that in itself is 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 you know uh, can change a business. So I, yeah, I I usually enjoy my jobs until I decide I'm ready to go and do something different, and then I'll get into that cycle again. So of that's, yeah. yeah, yeah. When's the last time you hated your job? Oh God, last week probably. <laughs> uh, no, you. Everybody has days, don't yeah, yeah. Where uh, where you have challenging situations. So I hate's a really strong word, and, and as it as is love, I suppose. But um, but I think you know I um, I've never been in a situation. I think that I, I could probably think you know in terms of my thirty odd year career and the the, the there'll have been a couple of roles that I've had that I've not particularly gelled with, and therefore I've recognised that that's not my calling. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily say I hate that. I just use it more as a learning experience that says, you know, yeah. um, I know what I do like to do. And, and having the ability to recognise that is a great uh, asset. Not everybody has that uh, ability yeah. to realise that this is not for me and, and to, like, have a shift or to move around. Or yeah, and I, and I realise that I've had some really fantastic opportunities. You know, I was very well supported by my previous company in terms of development. They sent me all over this place. So I'm very, very fortunate in that regard. Um, so yeah, I think I think that, uh, and that's not lost on me at all. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, you always try and push yourself. Whenever I've wanted to do something different, I've always tried to figure out what it is that. So I might need to go and study something, or I might need to go and you know have a you know step sideways and have a different type of experience to get to where I want to be in the future. But um, yeah, always open to learning. Always, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mark, we're just going to wrap wrap it up. We ask this to quite a few of our uh, uh, guests. Uh, what's your definition of success? When did MB ever come in? <laughs> I'm making it up. I'm going to call you, we should call you Barrow, like Downton Abbey. Barrow? <laughs> what's your definition of success, Barrow? Definition of success um, would be to deliver a high quality service to all all my clients um, and friends and um, yeah, basically be approachable. Yeah. Good answer. And uh, MJ? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, answer this in a very generic way. I think the, de the definition for success, particularly in, in the sort of role that I'm in, is that actually you, uh, there is no more role to do. You've, you've, you've got no more problems to solve and, and then somebody else can pick up the mantle and, 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 and move it in a different direction. So for me, it's very much about you know, doing all the right things with the team um, uh, and putting things in place that secure the future of the team and that's success to me and then I can go and do something different. You're already planning the next, not planning, but you're, you're preparing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, a fresh, yeah. it's a really it's fresh. All, it's all about who comes yeah, behind yeah. and does it. And that's a, it's an amazing way to look at things. We also ask all our guests um, what podcasts you listen to or what uh, YouTube channels or any sort of online uh, platforms that you would uh, suggest for, for learning or for entertainment. Um. <clears throat> I listened to, uh, or, or, or did listen to um, Bob Mortimer's podcast quite a bit, yeah. um, which is a football-based podcast, but obviously he does his zany stuff as well. Um, but no, I'm not really, I'm not, a, I'm not a massive podcast listener. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, I, you know, if I'm coming to work in the morning, I've got Radio Four on just for the politics side of it, and then going home, I've got Five Live on or whatever. Um, yeah. So see, see, I used to be Five Live. I, I switched to Talk Sport. Have you? All right. Yeah. Not like Tony Libsey. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark Barrow, uh, any any podcasts or uh, YouTube channels that you would uh, suggest to our listeners? <laughs> You've not had great contributors here, Glenn, because um, like with Mark, I'm, I'm not a big, um, don't listen to a lot of podcasts either, really, to be honest. I'd probably because we've just been, with the changes, with the change of firm, the, we're undergoing house renovation, young kids, it, it's... Yeah, just uh, struggle a little bit um, for time. Generally in the car, I'm an avid Chris Moyles fan, so I'm very much listening to Radio X um, of an evening. If we get a chance, Netflix, stick a movie on. Chris Moyles uh, fan and a lot of Liverpool it. fan. Yeah, we never brought we never Sorry, brought the, we never brought the Liverpool thing up, Mark. But we are um, we're just about to. Uh... <laughs> yes, yeah. There's always that if we. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Thank you very much, guys. I've uh, really enjoyed uh, getting to know you guys a little bit more and appreciate you uh, coming on uh, the one and only and I wish you all the best for the rest of this year in Landon Estates. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Be good or be good at it.
if you would like any more information on what H&H Land and Estates can do for you, please find out more at their websites as well as their social media channels. Thanks for listening to the one and only podcast once again. Subscribe and share with your friends and never miss out on an episode.